Would you please open your Bible with me to Proverbs chapter 11? Proverbs 11, starting from verse 16 to 31. A gracious woman gets honor, and violent men get riches. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise, to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? Thanks, Micah. Uh, Unlike last week, I am going to ask you to keep your Bible open uh, here at Proverbs 11. We will be looking at some other Proverbs, but they will be on the screen up behind us. Um, Today, of course, is the end of our series that we've been going through since the start of the year, looking at the book of Proverbs. Next Sunday, we're going to be starting a new series called On the Road with Jesus. And it's going to fit in with our church camp theme on discipleship. We're going to be looking at Luke, the Gospel of Luke, in the middle section of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is instructing his disciples on the road to Jerusalem. So if you want to get a little bit ahead, you want some context, then reading through Luke in the next week or so uh, could be a really helpful thing. So that's starting next Sunday. Today we're wrapping up uh, the series on Proverbs, looking again at the issue of money. So let's uh, pray as we get into this. Lord God, we do thank you that we have this time now to... Uh, open your word and to consider your teaching, your word to us about our wealth. Uh, We know, Lord, how easy it is for us to get defensive uh, when it comes to our money. But we pray, Lord, that it would be your word that opens up our minds and our hearts, that you would teach us, that you would convict us, and Lord, that we might respond in living for you. So we ask for the work of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of the difficulties that we have in talking about riches and poverty, uh, being rich or being poor, is that no one really wants to put themselves in the category of being rich, do they? I mean, if we think about it, if we kind of compare ourselves to the rest of the world, we, we kind of know that we should be there, but no one really likes to admit it, that we're actually rich. There's probably several reasons for this, but 
But there's two, I think, which are particularly relevant. Uh, The first one is that no matter how much we have, we can always point to somebody who has more. No matter how much we accumulate, how much money there is in the bank, no matter how many things that we own, we could always point to somebody else and say, ah, that's rich. I'm just somewhere in the middle between rich and poor. The second reason why I don't think we like to admit that we're rich is because if we were to admit it, then our desire for more would seem really, really greedy, wouldn't it? I mean, if we can convince ourselves that we're just in the middle, somewhere between rich and poor, or maybe even just slightly on the poor side of the equation, then our longing, our desire for more doesn't seem so bad. But if we admit that we're rich, then our desire for more is really, really greedy. So what this means is that when we read the Bible, we read Proverbs and its instructions on wealth and poverty, rich and poor, we have this internal struggle going on. On the one hand, we know that it's really talking to us. And on the other hand, we don't want to admit it. So let's throw it out there right here and now. When the Bible talks about the wealthy, it's talking about us. It's talking about you and me. When we have houses for our cars, which are bigger than the houses of a lot of people in the world, let's admit that we're on the side of the wealthy. So what does then the Bible and the book of Proverbs have to say about riches and wealth? Well, usually when the Bible and the book of Proverbs is no exception, talks about riches and wealth, poverty and being poor, it speaks about it in one of two directions. The first direction is in the direction of master, savior and God. And it's posing the question to us, what or who is our master, our savior, and our God? Is it the God who created everything and created us, or is it our wealth and our possessions? It can only be one or the other. And that was really the focus of last Sunday as we looked at those proverbs. Is wealth, is money going to be our God, or is the God who creates us, loves us, saves us, going to be our master and our king. The other direction in which the Bible and Proverbs often talks about money is in the direction of generosity. Again and again, when the Bible speaks about our wealth, it speaks about it in terms of generosity. It asks the question, what are we going to do with the things that we Today, as we kind of drill a little bit deeper into this theme, and particularly in the book of Proverbs, we're going to have a look at two ways in which wealth and generosity are connected. And the first way is this, is that we have wealth, we have things, because we have a generous God. 
You and I have possessions, have money in the bank, have houses and cars and clothes on our back because we have a God who is not stingy, who is not tight-fisted, who does not withhold, but who is abundantly generous with us. Now, as we read through the book of Proverbs and we look at its Proverbs about money, we'll notice that there are three sources or three ways in which wealth comes to somebody. Mentioned throughout the book of Proverbs, three legitimate ways in which money comes. The first one is this. The first source of wealth comes when we work hard and we live wisely. Riches come when we work hard and we live wisely. Let's have a look at the, uh, the Proverbs on the screen behind us. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Wealth gained hastily may dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. The crown of the wise is their wealth. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man, but he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Precious treasure and oil are a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. You see this? Wealth, material possessions, is the natural result of working hard and being wise with our money. Now, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out, does it? I mean, you could go to any financial planner and they might use some different words, but they will tell us the same thing. Work hard, don't spend your money on rubbish, invest it well, and you will grow in wealth. They went four years, five years to uni to get that, and all we had to do was read the book of Proverbs. But it's the way it works, doesn't it? Now, why does it work this way? Because this is how God has designed the world to work. This is how he made it happen, that if we work hard, we don't waste our money, and we invest it wisely, we will probably grow in wealth. Now, uh you might ask the question, we might ask the question, Why then doesn't this always work? And that's a really, really good question to ask because it doesn't always work, does it? Why is that? Well, we've got to remember that these are proverbs and not promises. And these are proverbs which are created by Solomon, wise man, looking at the way in which the world works, looking at the results of things and saying, this is how the world usually works. But we have to admit that there is sin and there is greed. Sometimes this doesn't work, and that's usually the result of greed, either ours or someone else's. But in the normal course of life, work hard, spend wisely, invest wisely, and you will grow in wealth. That's the first source of income. But it's not the whole picture. The second source of wealth is actually our generosity. Our generosity is a source of more wealth for us. Have a look at chapter 11. We've been reading from uh, a little bit earlier. Have a look at verse 24. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. 
Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. We are generous in giving, and if we read these correctly, the more we get in return. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about this a little later on, but how does this work? Well, those who are generous are those for whom money is not their God. You see, we can only be generous in giving when money is not our God to save us and to bring us security. What happens when money is not our God? We're actually content with a whole lot less. We find we need less than what we did before. And as we honor God with our money, He provides for all of our needs. As we put him first with our wealth, what have we discovered? God is the one who is providing for everything that we need. Third source of money in the book of Proverbs, and hopefully this ties together the previous two. Money, material wealth and possessions are a blessing from God for those who trust him. Wealth is the blessing from God to whom belongs everything that there is. Have a look at these Proverbs that we're going to have up behind us. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats become bursting with wine. Proverbs 22. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, and honor, and life. Proverbs 28, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Three sources of wealth in the book of Proverbs. Working hard, being generous, and a gift, a blessing from God. Now, we might sit there and we might ask the question, well, from which of them does mine come? Yeah, which one is mine? Is it because I worked hard? Is it because I'm generous? Or is it because God has blessed me? Well, Proverbs doesn't make that distinction. Because it's all of it. All of it at the same time. We work hard. Wise with our money. We're generous with others. And all the time we find that God, God himself, is being generous with us. You see, something, something happens when money is not our God and our master and our king. Something changes about the way that we view our material possessions when we recognize it as a generous gift from a generous God. All of a sudden, we find that we don't need from money the things that we needed before. It doesn't need to buy us love. It doesn't, that we don't need it for our acceptance. We don't need it to have friends. We don't need it for our worth and to measure how good we are. Why not? 
because all of these things come abundantly and generously to us in Christ. When God is first in our lives, we realize that money is a gift from him, we find that we have an abundance of belonging and love and acceptance and worth, and it is poured out generously on us in Jesus. That's what we celebrated this morning in the Lord's Supper. God's wonderful, rich generosity to us in Christ, filling our needs and then changing the way that we view our possessions, our money, our belongings. You see, what we find then when Christ is first is that everything and anything that we have, whether it be a lot or a little, it's a generous gift from a loving Father who always gives us what we need. It may not be, it may not be everything that we want, but it will be everything that we need and more. You see, what we find is that we we no longer need to work for money. Now, that of course doesn't mean that everyone goes and quits their jobs and signs up to be a pastor and evangelist. Uh, that might be good, might not be good. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't mean that. But it does mean that we work our jobs for more than money. We work our jobs to honor God, to serve him in the gifts and the talents that he has given us, trusting that he will provide for our every need doesn't mean that we start to waste the money that we have, thinking that, well, God will top it off at some point. It means that we spend it wisely because we are honoring God with the gifts that he has given us. What we find is when we understand God's generosity with us, we can be content with what we have and not always wanting and clawing for more and bigger. It means that we can stop comparing ourselves with other people because God in his generosity and his wisdom has given them that and me this and that's okay because he is generous and good and kind and gives me what I need. It means I can... Stop worrying and fretting over the bank balance. And checking it every second day and checking the investments to make sure they're heading in the right direction. Because I know that no matter what, God is my generous heavenly Father who gives us exactly what we need. And it means that in turn, we can be generous with others. And of course, that's the second connection that the Bible as a whole, and Proverbs in particular, has between our wealth and generosity, is that God has been generous with us so that we in turn might be generous with others. We in turn might be able to be 
giving freely to others as need arises. That, of course, is the theme that comes through in Proverbs chapter 11. But there's a wrong way to read this. We could read this and say, aha, I've found the key to getting rich. If I give it all away, then God's going to give me more. I've sorted it out. That's not what it's saying. The book of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 11 is no exception, is comparing the way of the wise with the way of the foolish. But Proverbs chapter 11 uses one of the alternative names or some of the alternative names for the wise and the foolish. It talks about the wicked and the righteous. And it talks about the difference between those who are wicked and those who are righteous in a whole lot of different ways. Have a look up at verse 6 of chapter 11. It talks about the different paths that both of them are on. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. To the righteous man has a straight path. Their righteousness, and by that we don't mean their goodness, but their gift of righteousness by God reflected in their lives, saves them, whereas the wicked can expect a life of difficulty and falling. Look at verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Those who are righteous are a blessing to those who are around them, where those who are wicked are a curse and the only rejoicing they bring is their downfall. The righteous are a blessing because they deal well with others. Have a look at verse 13. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. The righteous are wise in the way that they treat and they deal with their friends. And both of them have a different result. Verse 21. Be assured an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Now, in the middle of this comparison between the righteous and the wicked, there is also then a comparison of what they do with the wealth that God has given them. It starts there in verse 24. One gives freely, the righteous give freely, and get uh, and grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Verse 25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. What's it saying? Those who are righteous, those who are right with God, walking in a path of wisdom, being a blessing to others, see their wealth as an opportunity to be generous as God has been generous with us and God blesses them in their generosity. Those who withhold what they should have who are stingy, who are tight-fisted, 
who see money as something to control find themselves growing in poverty because they do not enjoy the blessing of God and because their holding will never be enough. Verse 26, the people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Not just is this a difference in the way that God works with and God treats people, it's a difference in the way that others treat them as well. Blessing comes from those who sell the grain at the right time, who provide for needs in a time of famine. But a curse comes from the one who withholds it, who is stingy and miserly and thinks only of themselves. Why the difference? Verse 28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Why are some people generous and some people are not? It's because some people trust in the Lord and others trust in their wealth. When we trust in our wealth, as we saw last week, we always need more. It's never enough. We can't give it away because we We're not sure we'll have enough. But if we trust in the Lord and our hope is in Him, we see everything as a generous gift from His hand, a blessing on our lives that in turn enables us to be a blessing to others, reflecting the very character and the nature of God to the world. Listen to these uh, two Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Our money and the role that it plays in our lives whether it's to hold and to keep or whether it's to be generous and to give, says something about our God. And it says something about the gospel. And it says something about the work of Jesus. It says we have a wonderfully generous God who gives freely or we have a God who is tight and holds and does not give. Now, uh, this is not saying we leave here, we sell everything that we have, including the shirts off our back, and we wander the streets waiting for God to just provide for our next meal. Not quite. You notice, you notice there's a couple of things in these Proverbs which kind of, kind of point to this not being the case. Notice how it says, in verse 24, that one withholds what he should give. You notice a little bit later on when it talks about the grain, it says, blessing is on the head of him who sells it. So this is the, the generous is not giving everything away. And the one who is being stingy is not withholding uh, everything. 
It is being generous in orientation with the things that we have. It's using the things that God has given us for the blessing and the benefit of others. It's asking a question. What role does money play in our portrayal of God and his generosity to us, to those around us? Is it displaying a God who holds and keeps or a God who is free and generous with others? You and I, we come across need and want and poverty as we go through life. Maybe it's with family. Maybe it's with people in our church community. Uh, maybe it's pe- people that we know in our streets. Maybe it's with causes from around the world. We're being asked a question of what we do when we respond to that need. What will the orientation of our wealth be? Will it be to keep and to hoard and to hold? Or will it be generous with others as God has been generous with us? We face a similar question when it, when it comes to giving in the church sense as well. What is the orientation of our wealth and our money going to be? Now, a lot of the time we, we would like to put a figure on it. Give me a figure, Clinton. Give, give me a figure that is generous. I can't do that. I can't do that for you. I I can only do that for me. The New Testament, though, has the same same teaching as the book of Proverbs. That God has been generous with us. And now he calls us to be generous in the ongoing work of his kingdom. We could go through the book of 2 Corinthians. We teach us that our giving is to be regular. It is to be sacrificial. It is to be generous. Generous and sacrificial means that it hurts. It costs. There are things that we are saying no to so that we might say yes to the work of God's kingdom. That we might say yes to God's mission in the church through missionaries, through other Christian organizations. And if we do that, we say something about the nature of God. It's a scary thought that if mine, maybe yours as well, finances were laid bare, what story they would tell about our understanding of God and the gospel. Would they say that we see God as miserly, stingy, holding, or would it declare that we have a generous, generous God who has blessed us in the heavenly realms in Christ, who provides for our every need, and more, day by day, and year by year.
Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your wonderful generosity to us. Thank you that in Christ you have shown how richly, how greatly you give, that you would give your only Son so that we might be saved. Father, we pray that our lives would reflect your generosity. We pray that would be the case with our time, with our energy and our effort. We pray that that would be the case with our wealth, with our money. Lord God, we do pray that we would be reminded again and again of how generous you are, how well you provide for our every need. Lord God, that we would trust you and display that trust by being generous with others. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his honour. Amen.